The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly a part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts from actual play to true crime to witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right, for just $20, we'd say your name here. We'd say how cool you are. We'd we'd tell you how kicking you look in those jeans. Just go to nerdandtie.com and click on the sponsor information and find out more. And maybe, one day, I'll say your name right here. I mean, I guess I just said I would do that. You know what to do. Do the thing. On this month's Nerd and Tie, the Ryan Koff lawsuit is dismissed. TwitchCon had something truly horrible happen in its foam pit. Gundam is back and extremely gay. She-Hulk finishes up, as does Rings of Power. We enter a brand new era of Doctor Who. And, of course, the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. All on this month's Nerd and Tie. Ooh. Exciting. It's extremely exciting. And none of those things were the Mario trailer. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> just before. So listeners won't realize this, but before we started recording, Trey did a Mario voice, and I was like, "We didn't put the Mario trailer on." Yeah, this I, I, I have. I, I was like, "Wait, Luigi, what?" I have. I have a habit of going here. We go before I hit record. Yeah, and then I was just like. Mario movie. Wait a second. That dropped. It's like, yeah, that the We Mario should talk tra- about the trailer. Do do we want to uh, do we want to do that like as a palate cleanser after the I mean, I guess we're starting with good news one way or the other, but Yeah. Huh. Uh Yeah, I, I don't know. Here, Mario trailer. Jack Black Bowser. Yay! Chris Pratt Mario. I mean, it's kind of Lou Albino-ish, so there isn't you know, an established canon for that in Mario animation. So uh, it's, I would say it's, it's okay. Granted, we've only heard like a line. I mean, <laughs> so look, I, I need to hear more. He's not Charles Marinette. He's not, it, it, it sucks, uh, but this isn't it's like, not great, but this isn't like Sonic actors have a union. Unlike the visual effects people, you can't force them to go redo it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Being realistic about bullying is our is our uh, our our fearless leader Trey Dorn. It's oh yeah, we should introduce <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> Being realistic about the bullying of unions is Trey Dorn. Why it's should we me. talk about unions some more? It's it's a, it's a them Trey. <laughs> Double dashing in the back seat. Of Trey's um of Trey's cartoonish go kart, my friend and yours, Genjamin Proc. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> because of course I'd be a toad. <laughs> this is oh my god, that's so appropriate, and I never thought about it. <laughs> Have you done a toad cosplay? No. You. I feel like we need to fix this now. <laughs> I feel like you need a giant toad hat. Dying, dying. That's we've we've killed again. I don't. And <laughs> coping with the loss. Of... Oh, okay, good. I was worried I was gonna be have to cope with the loss of Gen. All right, 
Um, and of course, here I am, uh, Celeste, the uh, the host who still can't get over Princess Daisy almost entirely because my first Mario game was Super Mario Land for the Game Boy. So <laughs> that's where she made her first appearance. Um, <laughs> Look, it's I'm just. <laughs> It's it's interesting that you can tell there's a whole generation of people that didn't grow up with the Super Mario Brothers Super Show complaining yeah. about Mario not having an Italian accent. Oh, that's true. Like that's just like it's it was weird for me when the N64 Mario 64 came out and Mario did have an Italian accent. You know? It it's it's that thing of uh it's that thing that comes with like every um Every time you have an iconic character and they get recast, like, how are you going to cope with it? And there's there's a plethora of issues that you need to wonder about, like, is is this stunt casting because we want to get these Hollywood names? Is this screwing over union uh, voice actors who um, the studio doesn't want to pay what they're worth? It, it's always weird. I mean, when uh, I mean, that comes up, I mean, it's stunt casting. It's 100% stunt casting. It's they <clears throat> yeah. want to get, they think, they think Pratt will be a big enough name to get people in seats. And um, I don't think they, the studio necessarily realized the growing backlash against Chris Pratt. Uh, but it's, you know, I don't think they needed to. My take is, I don't think they needed to do that. I would say, I, like, like, I feel like Mario could sell tickets pretty easy on his own. I know, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I, you know, like, it's you're you're thinking like a rational person not a studio exec that's uh, true so like on the other hand like jack black being such an amazing character actor means that bowser is going to be great and uh, oh, yeah. we're all going to root I, for the bad guys i'm, yeah, I'm going to love I, jack I have black. friends who are going to see that movie solely for bowser <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm kind of excited for charlie day as luigi but i yeah. mean charlie day playing a loud coward you know yeah i mean that's <laughs> great uh yeah it's and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic aesthetically i really think the trailer looks pretty it's like i really it like does. the animation it does it's like really beautiful i you know i'm kind of in this is my my kind of process on the mario trailer is that um i don't care <laughs> this is <laughs> It's look, I love I love Mario games. I, you know, I grew up with Super Mario Brothers. I'm like I if it sucks, I just won't see it. <laughs> it's uh Yeah. That's it's true. You know, I waited until after everyone told me the Sonic movie was good because I was like already of that opinion of like I don't care about this thing. Yeah, I'm I still haven't watched that. It's 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 as good a Sonic movie as you could make. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, no, my sister-in-law really liked it, so I don't know. Maybe I'll... I've got Paramount Plus. Maybe I'll pull it up sometime. Yeah, it's worth it. But, uh... Yeah, I, I believe it. You know, I. it's understandable that, you know, we're... 
we all love our Nintendo to a certain extent, but like we have reasons to not be excited about this movie. The actual first thing on our docket, we have so much reason to be excited. Oh for, yeah. Though. Let's talk about the stuff we actually <laughs> said we were going to talk about instead of just inserting the Mario trailer at the beginning. Cause we all inserting... forgot about it. Actually, I think yeah. it's actually, I think it's a bigger statement about the Mario trailer that we all forgot about it yeah. until yeah. I yeah. did a voice before we hit record until I did an impersonation of Charles Marinette's Mario. All right. So, Yes, after fucking six years, <laughs> a judge has dismissed the lawsuit against myself, former Nerd and Tie contributor, uh, Firsters, and Nerd and Tie. Um, uh, Big Ryan, win for us. Ryan Kopf, uh <laughs> has been suing us since... <laughs> oh, God. So uh, he filed the first lawsuit in Iowa back in um, the uh, December of... 2015 and that case was dismissed in spring of 2016 and he refiled in the in mid in like the middle of 2016 he refiled the suit in uh the state of illinois and we have been dealing with this for a very long for over six years um and uh yeah uh, there have been three different presidents of the united states during the time that this suit has been going on. Yeah. I just want to. Yeah. Yeah. So not um, full terms, but still. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the judge dismissed the case for failure to prosecute. Um, so the case is gone and uh, yeah, no, it's we're, we're, we're no longer being sued everybody. Yeah. That's <laughs> very big. This, um, Trey, I don't know. I like we we talked a little bit before the show because I know there's there's a lot we still can't say right now. Yeah. Um. But like, could you quick explain to the audience like what failure to prosecute means? Okay. Just so to, so um, we were at a point in this case, and actually we've been at this point for a while, um, for quite some time, uh, because we were at this point two years ago, um, where uh the case had to go to trial, and uh, cops uh because cop is the plaintiff he needed to actually finish moving this case to trial. Like we had done depositions, we had done like discovery stuff. We were, we were like, uh, we were bracing to go to trial and we were ready for it. Uh, and uh, so, but what it takes then though is, and obviously I'm not a lawyer, you know, it's, I know what my lawyer has explained to me, but this is also, you know, a mm. conversation I had like a couple of years ago. <laughs> at this is the point we're in. Um, yeah, and so a uh, cop needed to move it forward. And, of course, obviously, when, you know, things go to trial, a lot of stuff goes public record and all that fun stuff. And uh, and and like I, I've said this entire time, um, I stand behind uh, the articles that we have published, that mm -hmm. there was no defamation in any of them. Everything we published was either 100% fact or uh, protected speech. And it was opinion-protected speech. So we... the, the Anything that went up on nerdandtie.com, I stand behind 100%. And, mm -hmm. like, that's why this entire lawsuit was ridiculous. And right. it's so, yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it does feel like, so we were sitting here waiting for years for, right. for cop to do something, for cop to move this forward. And so, um, and it, it it takes a lot for a judge to dismiss something for failure to prosecute um because 
you literally can just file something saying um, we're going to do it like so uh yeah it is it is vindicating that um you know because again as as i have maintained this entire time we did not defame anybody in these cases so in mm-hmm. in this case uh, and none of none of our articles were defamatory so um yeah we're finally done with this mess that has like i had way more hair when this started um yeah and and just yeah big thank you to everyone who stuck with us for this oh absolutely absolutely the support we've seen from the community has been tremendous and has kept us going um it's obviously we want to thank everybody who contributed to the gofundme that helped pay for our legal defense um because without the support of the community like lawsuits are very expensive and uh besides uh people who gave to our gofundme and people who contributed directly to that um we the the support this community showed um that it's willing to stand up to bullies is just remarkable and uh, we are grateful for every single one of you who has who has um helped make sure that our voice is heard and Mm -hmm. we want to help make sure that your voices are heard yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Huge thank you. The um. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's all I could say about that. <laughs> yep, and I hey, that's really good. I'm very happy we. That's something else to put behind us. Um, unfortunately, not every uh, not every uh thing that people put behind them can be a good experience. Sometimes horrible things happen. Sometimes horrible things happen at uh, big profile events. So, um, how do you guys feel about ball pits or foam pits? Well, it sure would have been nice if it was an actual foam pit and not just a bunch of foam blocks put on top of a concrete floor. Yeah, well, apparently that wasn't something that uh, they thought about at TwitchCon. Um, Because, yeah, oof. Yeah, so... um... At TwitchCon, uh, Lenovo, uh, so so TwitchCon, the official you know Twitch convention run by Twitch.tv, uh, took place earlier this month, and uh, there was a a foam pit um, put together by uh, Lenovo, at, as part of their their booth, I think, and they had kind of like an American Gladiator style jousting thing, um, but. The, the pit was only the pit surrounding the two platforms was only reportedly about two feet deep in most parts and it was just sitting on top of a mat on top of a concrete floor um, yikes because of this most people you see a foam pit most usually foam pits are significantly deeper and are on like we'll have like a trampoline underneath them it's but they are designed to be able to jump into safely if they are done correctly. Well, this was not done correctly, and because of that, there have been reports of multiple inter- injuries, including, um, I might mispronounce her last name, but streamer Adriana Chechik, um, ha broke her back jumping into the pit after uh, winning a bout. She has had surgeries. Um, it is not great. Uh that's legitimately horrifying. Yeah, it's uh I know that uh like she was in surgery um right afterwards for like five and a half hours. 
and it's she's going to be in recovery for possibly years and it's but other people also like jumped into the pit there's one other streamer who like um broke an ankle i think it's it it is not good um yeah the streamer uh lock fan ness uh jumped off and 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 rolled her ankle and then oh man and uh like dislocated her kneecap and see see when gen first uh sent uh Gen first sent us this article i actually had trouble finishing it because it was just yeah kind of visceral like oof. yeah it's there's a kotaku piece which rounded up quite a few incidents and so we won't spare you the full details of like every person who got injured obviously adriana chechik had the the worst injury out of all of them um and it's uh twitch has been um pretty silent on the manner uh they have mostly deflected saying, you know, it was Lenovo's pit. Although I will say that the convention did allow Lenovo to set that up. So I feel like yeah, the the convention is, and, and we can say this is people who have run conventions <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, that convention organizers do bear some responsibility in the, the safety precautions of what they allow to be set up at their event. Uh, Lenovo has uh, said that they are investigating the situation uh with twitch but has not they have not really let any put out any other official statements which is not surprising if they're worried about legal Mm -hmm. repercussions chechik has said that uh that she hasn't really heard anything from twitch or lenovo at least that was as of um uh on the 15th so that was 10 days ago that i mean my my guess is that both are going to stay super quiet and try to push this under the rug yeah, it's I I'm honestly like this is this is just gross. This is negligence. Oh, this is why? What? Who, yeah. Why? What? <sighs> Lenovo, why did you think this was a good idea? Twitch, why did you allow them to do this? Yeah. Like it's it's on both of them. Like, if you're going to do something like that, why do you not have proper safety features? Why are you not telling everybody who goes into that foam pit arena that, like, hey, you know, there's a, it's only two feet deep, so, yeah, so be careful. Like, well, I'm really wondering about the people there. Well, the problem like, is the it's, thing. it's not just that it's two feet deep, but that the platforms are elevated. There was actually, like another booth at that same con that had a similar foam pit but um they had their platforms were pretty much level with the top of the foam so it was a much shorter fall and then Mm -hmm. um they had smaller foam blocks which makes a huge difference because it actually means the 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 pit ends up being denser with padding than the larger Mm -hmm. blocks at the lenovo and surprisingly nobody hurt themselves at the other one you know Ah. even though but it also like Here's the thing is that when you put a raised platform over a foam pit, it kind of you have to kind of jump down versus mm-hmm. the other one you could step down into. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. I really question the people like the the booth planners at Lenovo. Yeah. 
This is yeah, yeah, and it's 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 just really disappointing. It's 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 just so disappointing because like it it seems like a fun idea, and yet like when you execute it poorly, you end up hurting a bunch of people. Yeah, it ends up being incredibly dangerous. Yeah, and and of course TwitchCon is partly responsible. I mean, I've seen so many conventions have rules for dis for freaking artist alley displays. Uh huh. Because yeah. there's a tendency. Um, if they're really, really tall, um, they can get pushed over accidentally by uh, attendees Yeah, who are, like, reaching over to grab stuff, and the whole thing just wonk. Yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, um, yeah. So it's like, dude, like, double check what your vendors are doing. For their booths, like yeah, get a rough. Well, idea. I mean, that would require Twitch to care about streamers. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Jesus. Yeah, that's oh, it's, it's really disappointing in all fronts. It's bad, and it's and really it, bad. I mean, I'm I'm fine in the knowledge that I don't think I'll ever go to TwitchCon. I wasn't planning to before. I, don't know. Well, yeah, I wasn't planning to exactly, before. But uh, if if they're exactly letting people very well. get hurt willy nilly <laughs> at their con, then eh. it helps that I'm not a streamer, anyways. So don't care. Fair for me. Hard same. I like me my scripted content. <laughs> I have streamed on other platforms, but not Twitch. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, there's got to be something happier out there. Oh, wait, there totally is. The next thing <laughs> on the docket, we're gonna let Celeste talk about Gundam. We're gonna let me talk about Gundam because I'm just um, so uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise has returned to television again, um, with uh, an interesting. Uh, this an interesting project that has come forward. The full title of this series is Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Now, this has been a project that the uh, good folks at Sunrise have been working on since roughly 2018, when uh, some of the producers started noticing that when they asked Japanese teenagers what they thought of the Gundam franchise, their response was, oh, that's for old people. It's not for us. So you have to understand, um, so The Witch from Mercury, that's, like, not quite as good as The Sorcerer from Lincoln, but better than The uh, Wizard from Ford, right? I, I would say about, yeah, in that range. So, um, God, that show, the longer that Mercury cars don't exist, the, the, the less <laughs> that joke is going to make sense to anybody. Um, well, <laughs> after all of this time, boy, oh boy, I feel this anime... I feel specifically pandered to. Now, months ago, we knew for sure that the main character was going to be a girl. A a first for Gundam. We've never had a young lady protagonist in an almost 50-year-old franchise. That, That's embarrassing. That is both embarrassing and wholly unsurprising. It's Gundam. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but color me uh, just tickled 
when uh, we had a really dark um, – now, I wasn't quite tickled by – the prologue episode was really strong, but it was also really sad and, like, pretty heavy Gundam fare. So colored me tickled when the first episode premiered uh, four weeks ago now, and uh, it's Utna, but with Gundams. Um, right, right down to our – we have uh, the main character, uh, Sleta Mercury, is going to a fancy preparatory school um, that orbits the planet Earth. This school is run by um, several families of space-based military contractors. She pulls a sword out of the headmaster's sister's chest. Kind of. Um, <laughs> the uh, school is actually run by the guy who... Ba- who uh, by... Um, the uh, head of the organization that these uh, capitalist oligarchy uh, all answer to and uh, whoever is uh, whichever mobile suit duelist holds the rank of holder uh, gets to marry the um, the president's daughter. So after our main character Sleta sees uh, the current person with the title of holder being shitty to uh, the president's daughter, not knowing who she is or what she has agreed to, she gets into a mobile suit battle and wins the president's daughter's hand in marriage. God, so I... yeah, like we've got the Utana vibes, but we also have I this like shooting it in so long. <clears throat> yeah, same. Uh, it's still so good. I love it. I still love it. Um, we, we've got yeah, it it's got the Utana vibes, but it's also got the class consciousness vibes. Like, uh, does the president ever jump on the hood of his car? Uh, not yet, but he's also okay. like an elderly man. So that's that would true. Be we've got to get through really... the Black Rose saga before we get to that. Um. <laughs> What I will say, though, is uh, it's also kind of leaning into some modern stuff. Like I said, uh, um, uh, military contractor oligarchs who have all moved to space. Well, meanwhile, people on Earth uh, who are noticeably like the people who they show from Earth, the kids who are uh, whose parents uh, live in space treat them like second class citizens uh, because they're a bun- they're poor and uh, noticeably like the people from Earth have more varied body types and skin colors while the rich oligarchs are largely pretty pale except for this one tan kid um oh and uh, this last episode, we even see that said oligarchs uh, use those military-grade uh, combat mecha for breaking up peaceful protests on Earth by uh, that are being led by unions, like as in you know, like labor unions. And the character who I thought I was going to like uh, is even cooler than I thought she'd be because she is a union girl through and through. Who also who uh, is like on one hand she looks all cute and fluffy except her mech looks really badass and when people bully uh, the main character she just beats the piss out of them with her fists and forgoes the mech entirely. Um, 
I don't know. This is a really interesting show. It's been fun seeing. I've been seeing people who have never had an interest in Gundam before, like talking to me about it and getting into it. Um, including friends of the show, uh, Ethan F, uh, one of our regulars and, uh, one of our Stormwood co-hosts, uh, Kyle has also gotten into it recently. Cool. So I'm, I'm ecstatic. Gundam is in a weird new direction and I'm, it's socially conscious. And it's I'm... got space lesbians. It's <laughs> everything I wanted and more. And how I... how much is a how much are a certain faction of the Gundam traditional fans angry about it? Um, that's where it's been weird. Okay, we gotta we gotta d- delve into this one a little bit because that's been very strange. There were some uh, fans, the older the older. Uh, straight het fans especially uh who were very vocal after the first episode i haven't heard them as much after the first one um i don't know if it's just that they gave up on it i don't know if it's that the uh anime um the right wing anime grifters who uh were you know were able to trick dumb vic Mignana fans into giving them money if they just uh like realize that uh being fake fans of gundam was too hard to pull off (laughs) um because you know there's like almost 50 years of and uh, like seven different alternate universes of continuity so it's harder to pretend that you're like yeah i do expect this will be the new gatekeeping thing though like it because i i I think we're going to see some gatekeeping but like in the way that we saw gatekeeping around gundam when gundam wing was on Oh yeah, it's yeah. absolutely it's good. well. That's it's one of the problems with Gundam. Every time there's a new um, AU, every time we get a new alternate universe, we get these gatekeepy shitheads. But it's well. Um, oh, you're just into the new one. You don't watch Universal Century, like yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it. I think what you're not hurt, a real Gundam fan. You don't watch real Gundam. I I think what hurt the the uh, the culture war grifters as well is that they jumped on the gay characters angle right off the bat, which is not a strong place to argue from since the creators of the original show said that it was the BL fans that kept the show on in the first place. Like literally the first piece of fan service in any piece of Gundam media ever is Char Asnable showering in his male college best friend's room. And it's like a tiny room and there's like no like yeah. reason that he I should just be that. yeah again you can oh. me up on this oh, there's no, no this heterosexual a reason, reason yeah, I was gonna say, there's no heterosexual be, reason there, there's no heterosexual reason that he should be naked and showering in this man's small apartment it's very noticeable yeah like, so like I'm sorry like uh, queer Gundam fans we've we have been Gundams with the for the queers fans. yeah yeah Gundams for the queers the actually I it, I it was it gave me an excuse to I'll I'll wrap this up on this the the other fun <laughs> thing is that it did give me an excuse to dig out um something that I found uh from a, a 19 I want to say either late 70s more likely early 80s uh Gundam fanzine. Uh, and it was uh, it was done by a fan artist that uh, claimed to be male, 
um, at least. We we couldn't get the full crediting on the artist who did this uh, illustration, but it was Char Aznable and his harem. And it's just Char surrounded by a bunch of the boys from the show mm. looking. It's very good. It's one of the first pieces of fan art printed in a Gundam fanzine. And it's like, yeah, the the Fujos have always been part of this fandom. We've we've been the lifeblood. We were publishing the fanzines. It's kind of nice to finally have it as text instead of subtext. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, so yeah, Gundam the Witch from Mercury. Um, it's only four, technically five episodes in if you count that prologue. So now is the time to jump on it. It's a whole lot of fun. And where can they find it? Um, so the prologue and the first episode are free streaming on YouTube right now. Um, and the uh, I think the main series is right now exclusively on Crunchyroll. So... Not my preferred place for streaming, but it is legally streaming there every Sunday. Slut a Sunday. Join me. Cheer for this stuttering <laughs> doofus as she utinas her way through Gundam. Heck yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the show again? Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. It's super worth your time. Oh, also the robot fights are real good. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's the afterthought. That's my afterthought. It's also <laughs> the robot fights are real good, you guys. Just the well, like the characters and the political commentary are just so strong that like the robots are almost like the cherry on top of what is already <laughs> like an excellent Sunday, um, as all good mech anime should be, honestly. Um, <laughs> but speaking of. Uh, Speaking of things that were exciting, and uh, but uh, in this case, it was uh, fun from beginning to end. Hey, She-Hulk just wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I really enjoyed that show. Yeah, it's although it was funny watching the Legal Eagle episode about She-Hulk because, like, they got almost every legal thing in the show wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But as a television show, it is quite enjoyable. Um. I I I pretty much would pay to watch Tatiana Maslany read a phone book. <laughs> it's... Tatiana Maslany was so charming, and I I will say really I, I love the show. Role. The most unbelievable part of the entire show is that no one wants to date Tatiana Maslany. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it was a. I, I love the show, but part of the whole thing was like her like her her dating life of like having a, trouble finding a, a guy and like. I'm like you're you're telling me that the adorable Tatiana Maslany can't get anyone to go out with her. Yeah, the, the that that weird <laughs> thing of Hollywood attractive is always one of those things like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's okay, that's I mean, fine." It it played into the story. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's fine. It's it like it but worked. It, yeah, it worked fine, but like... I was just like, "I am I don't feel like I have to suspend my disbelief for like the punching through walls, but I have to suspend my disbelief for that. <laughs> That's, That's you know fair. I mean? um, yeah. Like it, it overall, I think it was pretty, pretty great. And I know that like some people didn't like the, the full blazing saddles ending, but I thought it was I loved that. Awesome. Ending. I was really grateful for it. I'm one of these people who gets like 
so wrapped up in like the character and I get so concerned for them. Yeah. <laughs> that if if something if they do something if something goes wrong for them, I have to like leave the room because I get so stressed out for them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I want you to be happy. I will say the the funny thing is is that uh so and on honest trailers pointed this out, uh that uh you know, she makes the the joke about how all Marvel movies end with like the big culminating fight, fight, fight. Uh, but I was trying to point out, but actually you're in a Marvel series where they all end with someone exiting into some sort of like alternate <laughs> reality space and having a conversation with a godlike figure. Uh, <laughs> Which is exactly what happened yeah. in she Oh Yeah, it, it. it's fair. I... And like that's part of what I like honest trailers for is that they'll they'll point out stuff like that without being dickheads about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That said, the self awareness of like one of of making fun of the fact that yeah, it does sometimes feel like these Marvel movies are coming off an assembly line. So like what if there is like a, a robot that oversees it? That was very funny. Well they they turned Kevin Feige and said Kevin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they kind of gave him his hat too in the design that was of the robot. Good. That was cute. Character design and, wise. And had him exist in kind of that monitor, fake monitor wall that they always do, like they would do like events on. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was, that was, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think the yellow uh, costume is probably my favorite of um, the uh, Daredevil costumes they've given Charlie Cox. I like, like the, I'm saying like, that completely yeah. sincerely. I like the red I really one. Like the yellow one. I like the red one, but the yellow one gave them the excuse to get him out there for the storyline, and so like, mm-hmm. um, so like I and I didn't think it looked bad, so I don't mind it. I think it is it, it is a good way to mark the Disney era because you know, um, of of Daredevil because they got to be a little bit more flexible with him. Like it's so Daredevil's like action stuff is super grounded in the um in the netflix series right like yeah yeah but he his his acrobatics got to be much more comic book like in she hulk like the way he was like flipping around the side of the building is far more than they would have done ever in the the netflix show but very much akin to the way daredevil will like flip around and move in the comics so i think it's it's a nice way it's it feels and it's been long enough since we've seen this version of Matt that I was able to be like, oh yeah, he must have been working on his. Oh no, it's I'm all for it. Like, I think yeah, it's great. It's... it's I think I think of it like when um, it's I think of it like comics where like you know right. someone did a run for a few years on the comic and that's what that looked like and then now this is the the character showing up in someone else's run, and mm-hmm. so there are slight differences in the way that they will talk. There are slight differences in the way that they'll move and and or the way that they. You know, their their action is focused, but the co- as long as the core of the character is still true to what was before, you move with it, and that's, I I think that very much like is is a great fit, and so that's why I'm I'm excited about um, Daredevil: Born Again, um, and yeah, I'm yeah, I'm also excited, especially for after it. seeing this because it's like between that and his appearance in uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, like it's I'm. I'm really glad that they fully embraced the uh, the the Netflix part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it they because it was so it's ironic that you know Agents of Shield tried to incorporate itself into the MCU, and that ultimately is why um, the later seasons can't work in the MCU at all. 
Mm. Um, yeah. Because yeah. they weren't given the information to keep going, but the Netflix shows do because they were so isolated from the rest of the MCU. And which is why it's easier to slide them in. Um, I like to think that the uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later seasons take place in the universe that the alternate Thanos left. In I'm Endgame. willing to buy that. Yeah, makes sense to me. I I really like the... Um, I just... I have just enjoyed in general with the Marvel TV shows, with, with an exception for uh, mainly Loki, that the stakes have been a lot lower. Like I've just kind of enjoyed yeah. these like lower stakes kind of finales. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of here for it. I really it because like it's really nice just to have like a a happy fluffy ending for once. Yeah, yeah. Just like everything's going good for a hot second. Yeah, it's it's I've got my it's I've. I've figured out I'm figuring out work life balance between superheroing and my law job or um I my my family accepts me for my superhero nonsense. Um Well, it's cuz they, they legitimately made a sitcom this time around. Like yeah. on purpose made a sitcom. Smart. Yeah. And can I just say her dad <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah. Her dad is great. <laughs> that is guy one from, of my favorite guy from Perfect Strangers. Yeah, that. I just, it's so good. Her coworkers were really great too. I, oh, yeah. I liked everyone at the law office. They were the, well, maybe not her bosses, but like all the like other lawyers and paralegals that she hung out with were just mm-hmm. really good characters, all in all. Um, even the joke in the, uh, in the last episode when they have to coach, um, the, the one doofus guy in the office to go undercover at the, uh, at the intelligentsia meeting. And it's like, you have to refer to women as females. I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) He's too good. I love that actor so much. God. uh... And like, when we found out he was secretly like obsessed with sneakers. Oh, he's a sneakerhead. Yes, yeah. he's a total sneakerhead, and it's just like, I love, I love those little like, you know, tidbits of flavor. Yeah, he played. Yeah, that was very good. So, uh, so it's real fun. So that actor, um, fun fact, uh, played uh, Adrian Chase in Arrow. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Boy, speaking of two wildly different versions of the same C-list uh, D, uh, comic book character on TV, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, God, he's been in like so many other stuff though. Like it's, but he also he also was on Orange Is the New Black, which is you know more like it's just the the range, and then like he was on. God, okay, Sirens is what I immediately think of, the American remake of Sirens, and no one watched that. Uh but Yeah, he's he's just a, like he's a great actor and and like the whole sh- like She-Hulk had an amazing cast overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, and and Tim Roth just returning as Abomination was just phenomenal. Yes. Yes, I really enjoyed how they handled Abomination. And, that was it's it is and Wong. 
It is funny because like it it really does prove how well the cinematography was in the Incredible Hulk movie that they made Tim Roth look big and intimidating before he was Abomination. <laughs> Tim Roth is a tiny man. He's a tiny I, tiny man. I I hate it to like not to uh rip on the hard work that the uh uh computer animators surely did with the uh with the Hulk movie, but I honestly thought Tim Roth was scarier and more threatening when he just had the super soldier serum before he got all hulked out in that yeah. movie. Tim Unpopular Roth, opinion. Tim Roth is only five, seven. The guy. <laughs> He's silly sized. Oh my gosh. He's a tiny man. He's a great actor. He's small. Tiny man. This, He's this like my mom's small. height. He's silly sized. Holy crap. I mean, I, I don't think he's very small, but. Again. <laughs> That's because I'm only five feet tall. You're a halfling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's true. Again, you are like the closest thing we have to a real world hobbit. Oh, um, yeah, I know. I you mean, know. You, like, you do it well. Speaking of hobbits. Yeah, seeing of of hobbits and stuff. That's another show that just wrapped up. Uh, yeah, rings Amazon's of power, yeah. Rings of Power wrapped up. Um, and, and yeah, go the, ahead. The finale was so okay. Am I the only one here who's actually watched the finale? No, I've watched it. Okay, it's I really enjoyed it. I will say that uh, Rings of Power um, managed to pull. They all oh, they they fake out twisted us once, and that like got me. I was like. Ooh, ooh. And then they real the. I'm trying to not spoil it, but needless to say, Sauron is in the first season, and you do not find out exactly how until the last episode of the season. Mm-hmm. And they try to fake you out by making you think that this character who's shown up is Sauron, but he is not. It's somebody else. Yes. What a twist! What a twist! But it's also like it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it felt like it was going to be a cheap twist to make it this one character. And they almost make you think they're doing that and then they don't. And so it's like a relieved thing that they didn't do the cheap thing. They they actually are. Yeah, but I don't want to actually spoil that for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. Overall, though, um, Rings of Power is that was remarkably good. I stand by what we said last episode, which is um, the legitimate reason to not watch the show. You don't like Jeff Bezos and don't want to support Amazon. I yeah. completely understand. 100%. We understand that. Uh, other reasons I don't think hold up. I think this was a really strong and fun show. Um, I enjoyed every episode. I thought the action sequences were really well choreographed. Um, I thought that it was tense and exciting. Uh, there's an episode where an elf cries about cutting down a tree and the big twist of the episode involves maps. I mean, I don't know if it gets more Tolkien than that. Um. Yeah. I think I think the writing's been good. The acting's been good. The costuming has been rushed. <laughs> yeah, the costuming is like... Like when it comes to like my, my issues other than the Amazon thing, yeah, it's nitpicks. Yeah. It's the costuming yeah. wasn't always... They, up to par, yeah, they don't have the the production time. The, the 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 visual effects look good though, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's overall. 
I it's it's very enjoyable. And there, it's... there was one guy in Numenor where I was just like, oh, my God, you just got like you just bought like a Roman toga from Spirit Halloween. What, what is going <laughs> on here, man? Like, like, which, yeah, like I, that bummed me out. Sure. But other than that, I just, I thought the story made up for it. I really enjoyed it. Um, especially, um, especially, uh, I, I especially liked, uh, Nori and Galadriel. They were definite standouts for me in terms of just, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, needs more Poppy. Poppy was fantastic. Um, uh, I was, I actually was kind of a friend of mine from college and I were talking about it and we will kind of had an idea of where the Sauron twist was going. I was almost disappointed by it because I, kind of thought they might do it but then the execution was so strong that i couldn't complain about it uh it, I it was say, like mm, it didn't they, even they occur to me and then it was revealed mm. so that's like i was cause, okay because i was distracted going the other direction that i thought it was going to go like i thought they were going to do the okay, cheap gotcha. twist that like the yeah, I don't feel like it's a it, it is a spoiler, but okay, so there's a character who uh most of us have been convinced is Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Although if it is Gandalf, he won't get that name for some time anyways. So yeah. uh but because that's the name the dwarves give him. Um the uh and they try to like uh, I I was suspicious that he might actually be Sauron the entire season. I can understand that. Um, well, because also the character has no memories. It doesn't seem to have any memories when he shows up. Yeah. So it's like, and he is not Sauron. I'm I'm pretty certain he's Gandalf. But <laughs> I mean, that, judging but. judging by um, his actions in the last episode, it's fairly safe to assume. Um, yeah. That is. Yeah. 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 He he was also pr- present for halflings singing a song that kind of becomes where the refrain is kind of the line Gandalf is most famous for. So it, there's at least a connection. Yeah. Like it 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 makes a lot of sense for that character to be Gandalf. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. Um. So it's, we would not be surprised. Yeah. So it's uh like it, I, overall like overall I think Rings of Power is about as good as we could expect to get out of a Lord of the Rings television series that can't access the Cimmerillion. Um, <laughs> That's it, what a lot of these fans have to remember. <laughs> like it was a good ride. Um I'm looking forward to season 2. Plus, it gave me the joke, holy crap, Jeff Bezos can't afford the Silmarillion, which I don't know why. Just every time I say that, it makes me really happy. This is, although, you know what, if, sorry, can you go? Oh, no, it's not just the Silmarillion. It's um, the Silmarillion, the um, unfinished tales, the entire, like, history that was was made. It's like a five-volume set. Of yeah. the entire history of Middle Earth, like they don't have access to any of that. They just have access to the appendices from, the, and they can mention like stuff from the Cimmerian. They just can't show it to us. Like yeah. it's yeah. 
like that's that's only, there's a lot in on the rings and not the Silmarils. Yeah. Which is fine. Because that's a good story, too. But also, the first age was a silly time, and uh, we don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on shenanigans of the first age. We will be in our second age, and it'll be fine. Yes. I and mean, also, yeah. you also get the bonus of because Tolkien didn't go into too much detail of the second age, it gives the writers some leeway, which I think is kind of a blessing in its own right. Yarp. Well, and, and plus the writers, um, you know, have have wanted to make this feel super Tolkienian. Mm. And, and have... I mean, it sounds like they've been doing a great job of just trying to keep it really Tolkienian. Yeah. It's... Instead of giving it lots of other random crap and whatnot. Yeah, my, I don't know. literally my only problems this season have been like hair and makeup and costumes, which, you know, that they're nitpicks. Like the mm-hmm. show itself is mm-hmm. good. It's, I mean, to be fair, this is like one of the most expensive shows ever made. <laughs> Uh, Amazon is spending a crap ton of money on this. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is probably going to lose them a ton of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately. Oh, well. Unfortunately for the show. Unfortunately for the show. Fine for me. I don't care if Jeff Bezos loses. Bleed Bezos try. Bleed Bezos try. Like, uh... Like, uh, as much as I enjoy Witch from Mercury, I don't actually want oligarchs in space making it horrible for us on Earth. So if we can avoid that future, that would be really great. Um, Coward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we're trying to keep it um, spoiler-free, but I'm sure that, like, the three of us will talk more. Yeah. After the episode. Yeah, there, after there's the episode. a there's a lot to discuss. It's yeah. it's worth your time. Watch it. It's fun. And, and if anybody's yeah. like, sorry, curious about oh, Sauron like hiding, disguising himself, like that's a thing that like Sauron and Morgoth did a lot. <laughs> and yeah. and freaking Melkor was beautiful. <laughs> like, I remember legit the evil guys in Tolkien are gorgeous looking. You specifically brought that up to me again. Like, like before the show started, you like a year before the show came out, you specifically brought that up to me. You're like, Sauron, uh, if it, if it's going to be young Sauron, he's going to be hot. Just letting you know right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all we ever see in the, I mean, trilogy of movies is him like in his full armor, but like underneath that, it's a really hot guy. And, and, like, and they would they would switch up their looks, um, pretend to be other people, and get away with like I mean, this series is all about how Sauron gets into power. Mm-hmm. And like how Mordor is like formed and all that stuff, so that when we get to Lord of the Rings, we can defeat him. The founding of Mordor was the way that they handle it was so good because I it was almost like clockwork. I remember saying to my partner as the episode was going, I'm like, these orcs are really cool, but I I 
I'm so used to orcs being like really technologically savvy and it doesn't seem like they've done any like feats of engineering. And then the twist on the episode, it's like, oh, oh God, I was wrong. Oh God, no, no, these are orcs. <laughs> these are like, <laughs> yeah, that's a feat of engineering. All right. Oh God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. door is taller than any existing building on earth. On Middle Earth. But, okay, yeah, brings the power. Super good, super worth your time. But speaking of the ending of ages, the passing of ages. Yeah, uh, the the final Jodie Whittaker special aired uh, at the time of recording last night. Um, on, yeah, Doctor on Sunday Who. Sunday the 23rd, Doctor Who, um, which marks the end of the Jodie Whittaker era and the end of Chris Chibnall run as a showrunner on Doctor Who and we're not going to get more Doctor Who for like a year now um, but yeah uh, and it's so Chris Chibnall's run I've had kind of mixed thoughts about it um, like it started like first off I love Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor right I just want to be Whittaker really... is never the problem I'm I'm gonna hard put that down right yeah here. and her first season I, I I really liked her first season as the doctor um with an exception for the for the weak sauce Amazon episode um and I didn't like it because I thought it w- went too easy on Amazon or oh, their fake okay. Amazon uh I thought yeah I thought it was way too milk toast uh liberal oh just a little bit of reforming and now they've got break so it's better that i didn't care for that other than that i loved her first season like it made me excited to watch doctor who again and i i even i liked peter capaldi but i'm gonna be i i've expressed this on the show before stephen moffat really made it hard for me to enjoy doctor who for a while yeah so I had to put it down. And it's, it's nothing against you for enjoying yeah. it. I couldn't. It wasn't like, my cup of tea. Like I enjoy so it's here's the thing though. So I really enjoyed the first two seasons of, of Jody Whitaker's uh Doctor. Like I I enjoyed seasons uh, eleven and twelve. Um Here's the thing. Season thirteen, that short six episode season we got in twenty twenty one, I didn't like it. I haven't met anyone who's liked it. It's like, I haven't gotten around to, I've, I've started series 12 recently and I, I'm enjoying it, but yeah. I have not watched any of, of flux as yeah, I believe so, it's called. So, okay. So, and let's be clear. I like the character Dan as, as a companion. And, um, so like I, cause, uh, at the end of, um, at the end of, of series 12, uh, Two of the the two of the so Graham and then like so two of the companions split off and um, Yaz continues with the Doctor and then they pick up Dan in season thirteen and I like him a lot and again it's not none of the problems the the actors it's the primary problem I had with Flux uh, was that the villains were completely uncompelling mm. um like. Like I don't mind the changes they made to the like the Doctor Who canon in season twelve. I know some people were really bothered by that, um, but 
like the 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 villains of season thirteen, like the flock stuff, was just they were not compelling. They never really like it. It never really felt like anything fully developed in the whole season. Like, I feel like so other times we've done big stories, like even at the worst of Moffat. Like I still feel like the the overarching villains things that would be seeded throughout like a long period of time to let you sit with them. And so just like somehow, even though there were six episodes developed, like dedicated to this one, to this one villain, they still felt underdeveloped. Mm. And yeah, so I was not a big fan of that. So um, I will say like after watching, and we've had like, we've had three specials that they've done since then. And they've been okay. Eva the Daleks was fine. Um, Legend of the Sea Devils, I know a lot of people feel like it was kind of wasted. Like, the stories really didn't, like, Our uh, enough. friend yeah. of the show and uh, casual Trek host, Miles, actually messaged me after he finished Eva the Daleks. and Or not Eva the Daleks, after he finished uh, the Le- Sea Devil Legend one. Legend of the Sea Devils, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he was heartbroken. Yeah, he was it's... so disappointed with it. Um, yeah. And Miles is like, uh, Miles is a Doctor Who fan that puts every Doctor Who fan I know to shame. He, it's. <laughs> yeah, he's such a big Doctor Who fan. He even pretends to be British. Um, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's Casual from New Berlin. Kill us. Yeah, no, no, Miles, <laughs> Miles is from New Berlin. The accent's fake. Uh, uh, yeah, and the casual Trek, then <laughs> the casual Trek hosts are going to kill us. It's, I, I don't endorse this, Miles. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so but but the power of the Doctor, which is his last special, it was you know a ninety minute special, um, was actually pretty good. It wasn't perfect. They're like, um, you know, it's we have the it it kind of culminates in the whole thing with like what. The the master comes back. I don't think that's a big spoiler. Um, with the 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 earlier actions of the master and his previous appearances in in Chibnall's run, he kind of ties that together. Um, and so it it it. I think it was a fitting end to this era. And it, the master's plan was needlessly complicated in ways that don't really make sense. Um, I'm one hundred percent certain that. There's a whole part of it that takes place in like uh, um, <laughs> Imperial Russia, like with uh, the Master having assumed the identity of Rasputin, and it 100% doesn't have anything to do with anything. It was completely unnecessary. I'm gonna say it. Um, has have any of the new series Masters any of them had a not overly complicated to the point that it doesn't really make sense plan? Well, okay. Like I'm being but, very serious right now. <laughs> yeah, but but it does like for the first time since John Sims got the dance around. It the whole reason why I think they put it is because they wanted to have the master dance around to Boney M's Rasputin, then mm. do a whole fair. sequence to the Boney M song, which to be fair is amazing, and I'm willing to accept the stupid Rasputin part of the plan being there just to use that song in his moment of victory. I can see that being no that that seems in character for him. Yeah, well, I'm more thinking of the the meta analysis of the the writers making the choice, but yes. Yeah, uh, but honestly, that seems in character for the master. If I'm going to be super real with you, at least the new series master. Yeah. 
all of yeah. them, honestly. So it's um, so overall, like I think it was a solid, like it, it it was a decent episode. We got to see some classic companions with uh, Tegan and Ace, and I mean, who doesn't love Sophie Aldred as Ace? If you don't love Sophie Sophie Aldred as Ace, um, there's the door. She's she's gonna hit you with a bat. I guess that's what's gonna happen. Uh, look out. Uh, but also we get to like um, because Tegan Jovanka. I was happy Tegan's back. Yeah, it's I I like Tegan, but like honestly, Tegan's never been like I know who Tegan is, but like Ace sticks out in my head. You know what I mean? Most of my class Ace is one of my all. Here's the thing: Ace is up there. Like she is like either on par with or higher than Jamie in terms of my favorite companions ever. Tegan has a soft spot for me because when I started watching Classic Who, most of what was at my local library were Fifth Doctor episodes with Tegan. Yeah. So she didn't really do much, but I have a big soft spot for her because my first Fifth Doctor serials were all Tegan serials. Yeah, it's, I mean, we get like some really great, um, we get some great stuff in this episode. Like there is a portion that's in the Doctor's head where she's talking to like kind of this shifting figure that keeps switching between the face of the, 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 uh, David Bradley playing the first doctor, uh, Colin Baker, Peter Davison, Paul McGann and Sylvester McCoy as like, shifting as like an inner version of herself, like that she's talking Aww. to. And all of them are wearing robes except for Paul McGann. And even comments of it. And he's like, it's just it's just I'm not wearing a robe. It's like in the scene. It's 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 no, pretty I great. I love that. I honestly love that. Yeah, it's That's and, really good. And we all knew that because we knew this. We knew you know you know going into this at the end of the episode, uh, she's gonna regenerate, right? It's like something's gonna happen in the story, like, and I don't think that's a spoiler because you know it's announced that this is the her final episode as the Doctor. Hmm. Um. There is a thing that I'm going to say now that is a spoiler that if you've read any headlines about this episode, you've probably already had this spoiled for you. But on the off chance you've been avoiding the news about this special and you don't want to be spoiled, just stop listening to this episode right now. Okay? Just just stop. All right? All those people are gone? All right. So at the end of the episode, we all expected her to regenerate into Shudigatwa, right? Mm -hmm. She does not. She regenerates into David Tennant. <laughs> and I, again, I, I guess I'm not bothered by this at all. Oh, I'm not. Like, this is a, I've been seeing some people get really upset. I'm just in this, everything that I'm seeing, I'm kind of expecting this to be, I'm already expecting the 60th anniversary to be Russell make Russell T Davies. For those who don't know the showrunner of series um, one through four and all of the specials that brought Dr. Who back um, is coming back. And it really seems like he's leaning into this theme of um, just because he's back doesn't mean it's going to be the same show. And I yeah. think this is going to thematically tie into that meta commentary. Yeah. It's, and I'm here for it. Yeah, so it's, I mean, we've all known that David Tennant was coming back for the 60th anniversary special next year. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, uh, the the implication that most people thought was that it was going to just be a multi-doctor story. Uh, but 
um, canonically what David Tennant is playing the 14th Doctor and Shudigatwa will be the 15th Doctor who we have seen shots there is a shot in the in like kind of the, the small teaser they did which looked like Shudigatwa in that mind space that uh, Jodie Whittaker was in um, in the in the episode so I think that uh, there's there's going to be a lot going on here because we know that Catherine Tate's also coming back for the 60th um, so we're going to get a David Tennant and Catherine Tate episode of Doctor Who next year and I am very excited about that. It's I was just say like I was surprised though. You know what I mean? It's I was not I, expecting I'm not it. saying it's not surprising. I was yeah. surprised. I guess for me and I I kind of we kind of touched on this before recording, but yeah. um it's hard for me to care about numbering of the doctors oh. anymore just because I I've mentioned this on the show before. I it bothers me to the moon. I can't take the numbering seriously anymore because again, the first time we ever see within the story, Peter Capaldi on screen is someone yelling, no, sir, 13 over his amazing eyebrows. And he's 12. No, and it's all thir- always going to bo- bother me. No, the war doctor was so yeah. all 13 because there were 13 of them no. with the war doctor there. Yes, Trey, I can count. I right. understand I that. Know. But that doesn't change the fact that oh, we're just not counting. I get it. We're just not counting um um John Hurt even though he redeemed himself. So why are we still not counting him? Oh, right. This is completely arbitrary. Because and then we got... because when he's multiple versions of him, he doesn't have clear memories of the encounters. And and then we but then Joe Martin comes in. And it's like, OK, this is even more arbitrary. I'm I'm not even against Joe Martin. I like Joe Martin a lot. I'm just saying it is impossible for me to care about the num- numbering anymore. I don't think anybody really cares about the numbering. I. I think you're giving people no, way too much credit. I mean, credit. the reason why the reason why I just want to be clear that the reason why I, I'm talking about David Tennant is the 14th Doctor because I think personality-wise we're going to see a difference between this and the 10th. You know what I mean? Like I could see that. That's that's Tenet's what I think good, they're doing is is I Tenet's think Tennant's a good enough actor he can pull that off. Right. I, I think I think his 14th Doctor is going to be different than his 10th Doctor, and that's why I think the number is is important. Um, in that case, just to iterate the difference between the two versions, um, like like not to like not to uh, dump on modern series doctors, but like I could see David Tennant pulling that off. I couldn't see like Matt Smith pulling that off. Like no, no. I don't know. I think Matt Smith is I, a better actor than you're giving him credit for. I. I that might be the case, but boy oh boy, he's got the worst agent. Maybe up until uh, getting him on that Game of Thrones thing, he has had the worst agent working today, I think, because it has just been I have not been impressed with anything he's done outside of Doctor Who. It's just been embarrassing, if you ask me. Like really? the, the Terminator. I didn't I didn't like the Terminator thing. But how do you end up? That in was Morbius? not a great script. I mean, again, um, like how how. How do you end up in Morbius, though? It's not because you have a good agent. That's oh, sure. actually, it's 100% <laughs> because, um, God, what's her name? Uh, Amy Pond, that actress. Uh, 
Oh, um, I, God, what's, why can I not remember her name? Cause she's another actress where, where it's actually the opposite, where every time I see her in non-Doctor Who things, Karen, I'm like, yeah. Jesus. Karen Gillan. Yeah, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan talked him into doing it. Because, like, when I see her in non-Doctor Who things, I'm like, Jesus Christ, they wasted her on Doctor Who. No, she talked about... She, she what a talent. First off, I think yes. Matt Smith is actually a talented actor, but that's not really, like, just him picking... I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm saying I don't think he's... I don't think he's as strong an actor as, like, uh, David Tennant or well, no, Tatiana Maslany. That's right, what I'm saying. Right, well, first off, there are very few people working today as good as Tatiana Maslany. All right, let's not like it's if that's the standard we're going to hold every actor to, almost everybody fails. All right. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. But I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. Right. I'm saying I wouldn't trust him with that because I just don't think he has a strong enough presence. Like I think him is and like, maybe. Yeah. Like if you compare that to like you know, but if like Matt Smith, like yeah, like Morbius, he's playing like he's playing that guy in Morbius, who's I've already forgotten his character name. Um. But, like, you know, you see him in, like, I know Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is not a great movie, but his performance as Parson Collins is actually pretty good. Um, I like didn't he's, even he's supposed know he to be was good. in that. He's supposed to be really good in Last Night in Soho. Like, it's, like, yeah, who, yeah, I, I get it, you know. More, I mean, his, his, admittedly, his agent's doing better for him than, uh, than Christopher Eccleston, who I'm, very upset on behalf of all the time but that's neither here nor there yeah poor guy i think crystal for eccleson is a phenomenal actor he is also though um a bit of a snob uh <laughs> bit of a snob kind of abrasive yeah um, but I, yeah so you know like don't get me wrong nine is one of my favorite doctors like yeah i I, I love him as the doctor. I will I will always love the ninth doctor, but you know. He's he's still himself. Um he was the perfect person to bring back the show and he it was also the perfect thing to have him regenerate at the end of the season because that immediately get got the new fans ready for the fact that, oh, this actor is gonna change. Like Yeah, that was smart on Russell Davies' part. It Well, especially wasn't... since Eccleston said he would only do one season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, no, no. anyways, yeah, like, like but... no, I, I wasn't trying to. What what I was trying to imply is that I feel like Tennant is a strong enough actor that right. I would trust him to do a different version of the Doctor. Right. And I guess what I was trying to say before, like, we got into this where you started complaining about numbers, which I don't think anybody really was talking about, I, was that— I don't I, think he—I think you're giving people too much credit if you no, think meant No, I meant, I meant we weren't, and then you brought it up, because <laughs> we talked about it before the show, but uh, not during— uh, You brought up numbers! I didn't bring it up before the show! I brought it—I <laughs> talked about it before the show a little bit, and then you—I did not bring it up during the show, though— uh, so you picked up that football and ran with it like a goalkeeper. I picked up the football because I thought it was a dumb p thing to pick up, but I was heading it off at the pass. But I was, no, what I was I'm saying sorry. is that I wasn't, what I was going to say, what I was trying to say was that I was shocked that they, re like, I actually was genuinely shocked that she, that they had her regenerate into David Tennant and not Shudigatwa. Like, I mm. was ready for that. And, like, I knew that David Tennant was like, I was just assuming the 60th was going to be a multi-doctor story. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because David Tennant, like, he's aged, but he still looks young enough, you know, that it's, like, I I had thought that it would be this, you know, multi-doctor. And it's also, like, really interesting that, like, you have so many doctors in that episode of The Power of the Doctor, which also nice uh nice vindication for the uh for the four-ish doctors um that they finally got some love so the five-ish doctors but yeah. <laughs> oh, is it the five-ish doctors yeah, the five-ish. I... okay well it was it was that that special that they shot was delightful and yeah. i'm glad that they kind of got vindicated yeah that's and yeah it's i i i genuinely love that and like it's and and now like i like the fact that they keep bringing back um David Bradley uh, as the first doctor now that they have this like first doctor lookalike <laughs> like this Hart Noble lookalike he's doing better than Richard Herndle that's for sure yeah I'm sorry <laughs> well I love the five doctors proper but boy oh boy <laughs> well he does a better Hartnell mm-hmm yeah it's Anyways, I think that's uh but so so I'm but with like so I'm excited for the next era of Doctor Who. I I am glad that Chibnall went out on a strong episode. Um same. Because I, I again, I think the first you know. two I think his first two seasons were good. I think that uh I think his first season was better than his second season, but I still think his second season was good and that his third season I just was not a fan of and the specials have been just kind of okay. So ending on a good one. Is... Massive relief. Yeah. I I loved uh I loved Jodie Whittaker so much. Oh, and I'm sad that she's gone. Right. Um but like that's but that's the joy of Doctor Who. We treasure the time we get with these uh with these enjoyable characters and then we uh, we know going in that we have to let them go. And that's Yeah, I I just wish that like I I just wish she'd had like some stronger writing in like her time and you know extremely fair yeah but you know it's uh we're we know that uh i'm i'm excited for what comes next even if we've got to wait a whole flipping year (sighs) it's okay gotta wait a year my friend a year it's a year but it'll be i feel like it'll be worth the wait i'm yeah but we only got like three episodes this year <laughs> yeah well that's it it's just a... we and and in 2021 we only had half a season it was a six episode season to 2021 well that's just uh do you, you know, know how long it's been since we've had a proper 13 episode season of doctor who uh, you know i i just this is why I savor, I savor actually, my media, a little bit at a time. Jody Whitaker's two seasons were only like ten episodes long. Uh huh. We, ah, oh, they shorted us so much. No, that's fair. I mean, I mean, COVID didn't help. Like to be realistic about it, the whole having a major pandemic. In like... Whitaker's first season was in 2018. Okay, well, I was I was mostly talking about the specials and uh, and um, 
Yeah, way to act. Hujima was yeah, it? Yeah, freaking annoyed and flux. Yeah, I I can't. I'm saying that for the ending there, COVID didn't help. I don't know why the earlier seasons were shorter. It. I want to fight him. I want to fight Chris Chibnall and make him go back in time and make longer seasons. There's got to be a TARDIS around there. So I think that's enough talking about Doctor Who. Indeed. Oh, I can come back now. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Guess it's time for the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. It is time for the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. All right, we're doing the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge, everybody. All right, everybody get in line here. All right, so here's the Vomit Hat right, Steve kids, Challenge. Kids, gather around. Who wants to kids play dice? Kids, gather around because uh, we're still doing this for now. Um, Vomit Hat Steve Challenge is the part of the episode where I read a book to you, the listeners. Like, just a line of it, though, not the whole book. Because the challenge to you, the listeners, is to guess what book I am reading from. If you guess correctly, get included in the Hall of Awesome. The uh, benefits of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. One, I read your name aloud every episode. Two, I put your name on a kind of buried page on the website. And three, um, I will make one cameo appearance in your dreams in a non-sexual way. Mm -hmm. Good deal. All right. Big. I can't promise when it'll happen, but just at some point in one of your dreams in a completely non-sexual context that is also a guarantee i will just mm -hmm. be there giving you a thumbs up mm -hmm. i mean sure you might be like i don't claim it won't be a nightmare i don't claim it'll be a good dream it might be a good dream you don't know maybe it'll be like you having to take a math test in fourth grade again and i'll just be outside the window with a thumbs up and that's when mm -hmm. you remember your multiplication tables all right so Current members of the Hall of Awesome are, in fact, <gasps> Archimite Zero, Rena Nascenti, Cheese McDamu, Krista Slytherin, Shameless Otaku, The Random Ramblings Man, Corfan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lilisaurus, Paper Godzilla, Cavsy, The Minnesota Librarian, Sean Orns, Kiss Shizuo, Sakura Sunset, Joel Kreisman, Patrick Delahanty, Wonderland Hearts, and Megzi Sass Council. I'm, I'm just gonna open up to this page in the book. He paused at the top of the low hill overlooking the tumbling stream and scanned for the whistler. The sound seemed to be coming from the opposite bank, but the trees and heavy brush still screened the view. If you know a book that's from, go to slash contact, click on the form reform, fill it out, and uh, tell us what it is. Or if you have any other thoughts you want us to, you know, speak words to and read aloud on the show, write us a letter there too. Again, nerdandtie.com slash contact. There's a form. It's the thing. It's the thing. Say hi to us. Tell me why I'm wrong about the Yoshiyuki Tomino OVA, Garzi's wing. Tell Celeste why the numbers do matter. I, I, I cannot tell you how much I will not care. <laughs> Make Celeste care about will... the numbers. I care more about whatever a full bringer is in Bleach, and I don't care what that is either. <laughs> I want you all to know this. Tell us your favorite Matt Smith roles. Yeah, prove me wrong. I have I have not liked pretty much anything I've seen him. I think he gives a wonderful too. performance in Morbius. I, 
I'm never going to watch Morbius, so I guess you're out of luck there. Um, Just watch the sequence where he gets dressed. I, that would require me to watch Morbius, and any chance that any of my money could go to Jared Leto is a risk I'm I can't take. I'm sure you take. can find a clip of it on YouTube. I... <laughs> he does a little dance. Sure he does. <laughs> it's 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 the best... Sony Spider-Verse moments since the Spider-Man 3 strut. But it's not pizza time good. Nothing's pizza time no, good. Nothing's pizza time good. I stand by that. That Spider-Man video I did, absolutely, it wasn't a joke. Oh, that video is completely sincere. Thank you once again for joining us this month on Nerd and Tie, as always. I am Celeste. I'm Trey Dorn. I'm Gen Proc. And Ruby, you can subscribe to this show on uh, iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts, I'm going to keep screwing that up forever, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other place that greater podcasts can be distributed and listened to. And uh, please consider rating and reviewing us on those services because it helps the algorithms show more people this nonsense and they too can suffer with you, you having listened to it. Remember, you can support the show financially by contributing in various ways. First off, you can sponsor episodes, which, again, you can go to nerdentai.com and click on Sponsor Our Shows and find out how. Or uh, I've got a Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Celeste, what's your Patreon? That is patreon.com slash celesteisbest. And, uh, again, sells things under Ocelot Dude Designs. Maybe. Yep. Okay. Frequently. Frequently. All right. And uh, remember, you can always follow the show on social media. We are at Nerd and Tie on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Nerd and Tie, NerdandTie.tumblr.com. And somewhere in the back of your brain, we are just like chiseling away at whatever brain cell we can, trying to communicate to you the news of times of the world. Remember, we are part of the Nerd and Tie podcast network we do have a discord you can find an invite at nerdentie.com slash discord and there are lots of other great shows you can listen to on this network including casual trek a fortnightly show uh where two people who are primarily other fandoms uh rate and review star trek episodes a show which they both just kind of like and uh, remember no matter how many times miles tells you that he's like british and says something about brighton or whatever no just He's from New Berlin, Wisconsin. My accent I do is not fake. Endorse this. It's this is a scam. I'm... It's completely a scam. Um, Charlie, the other guy in the podcast, he's actually from the UK. But Miles, Miles is secretly from New Berlin. It's I do not endorse this, Miles. In fact, actually, to he told me that he thinks anyone who calls uh, soccer football is uh, a wussy, and he'd like to fight you. Yeah, it's so just remember, Miles is from New Berlin, and that's 100% true. Yep. Outer Milwaukee keep, suburbs. Keep on spocking in the free world. And remember, reach out to Miles and ask him what it was like to grow up in New Berlin, Wisconsin. It's. Hello! What? Eh. You know, we're still <laughs> recording again, right? It's <laughs> a little gummed up since I horfed down that double cheeseburger while you guys were talking about Doctor Who. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> the music is still playing. The show is still happening right now. Well, you're the one with the power to cut it off. I am. I, was say, I, I am. I but I was, I was in a, a thing. Again, Miles what? is from New Berlin. I just want to make Slap. that clear. 100%. I'm being serious. This is not a bit. Like, this is going to be like Robert Evans' child hunting island. We're going to have to like apologize and keep saying it's not true for like eight episodes. I don't remember ever apologizing for that. It's because you're not Robert Evans. Did you apologize for that? 